Welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Swizz. And thank you for joining us for the Fremantle Dockers team analysis. Swizz, always great to have you on board. How are you traveling this evening? Mate, I'm good. Yeah, now yourself, Benny? Yeah, feeling much better now that we've just gotten through that Essendon crap. So, um... (laughs) We are here. Before we move on, though, let's move on to the socials. SC Insider 100. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. You can also look us up on all the audio platforms, so Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, you name it, and on the YouTube as well. Shout out to everyone up on the YouTube enjoying these releases. Probably these ones are a little bit, a little bit shorter, so we're not kind of splitting them up, and it's just Swizz and me. We're just trying to pump through as much content because we had a negative comment Boys, release some more content, and we are trying. We are trying to get there. But Fremantle, definitely a very relevant side. Lots of premiums to kind of – well, quite a few premiums to discuss, ones that could be moving up in the world, sprinkled with a little bit of mid-price and madness, and a couple of rookies that are relevant for now and even possibly as an upgrade target throughout the season. Swizz, what do you think about their potential this year, Fremantle? as far as strategy and um, options, and then even their fixture moving forward. Yeah, mate, we talked about the Carlton podcast about there's always that team that jumps up. Um, a lot of people think it's going to be the Blues. A lot of people think it's going to be Fremantle. Been tracking very nicely. Some of their kids are just starting to come on. They've got a you know a really solid Ruckman in there. Um, so is it going to be their year? The, the obvious, uh, you know, question will be how much will they be impacted by COVID and what their premier does over there. We've seen in the past that he, him and Daniel Andrews here in Victoria are more likely to shut their borders quicker um, if there are outbreaks. So if they can avoid a lot of that, I think Freo are right in the mix. And that means more wins, more percentage of the pie and more super coach scoring, which we naturally like. Fremantle are a team that I would, if you want a premium, jump on to start. They are, Fremantle are going to make the eight this year. And I'll tell you why, Swiss. Number one, there's usually a couple of teams that go in and out of the eight every year. That is a statistical fact that on every year, there's an average of two teams that move in and two teams that move out. Right, So it's one of those ones where you kind of, when you're doing a ladder predictor or you're doing your tipping, you're kind of looking at, okay, which two teams are going in? And Fremantle, I would put money on 100%. Fremantle are making the eight. Swizz, do you agree? Oh, mate, I agree. And that's where you're talking about that, I guess, that early draw and you get a bit of a run Oh, Fremantle will win eight of their first 10 rounds. They Does play at, They play Adelaide. Right, St Kilda, which they probably yeah, they might lose no, to St Kilda, right? Right? But I reckon they'll give it. I don't know, but they'll give them a, they'll give them a shake there, right? But let's say let's say the winnable games out of the first ten, right? Yeah. Adelaide, West Coast, who are an absolute shamble, yeah, right? GWS, who are also falling, Essendon, Carlton, Geelong will be hard, and then they play North Suns, Collingwood in the first ten rounds. Yeah, and then so like, it's Geelong and the Saints. Then, then you get into like the D's and lines, but then and then even after that, it's Hawthorne Carlton. Hawks, so. Carlton again. So they're going to win. They will win ten games by the time. And then what? How many rounds do they have left? There, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They'll have eight rounds to go, and they'll be on ten wins. 
Yeah, this is give or take. It's ridiculous. They are going to smash it. The only thing, Benny, that's been keeping me from wanting to lock in as many free metal plates as possible is waiting to see what happens with the borders because I don't like taking teams (laughs) that are hubbed. Yeah, yeah. But if they if they aren't hubbed with that fixture early on, yeah, they could be a gold mine, and especially the sort of some of those players where you know you like to take up to the buy and then trade out. The primos, yeah, their second half of the year is a bit more of a harder fixture, but that first half, yeah, I want a lot of that. So you're saying if they're in a hub, they're capped, right? Well, I think it, it is a bit, mate, isn't it? Yeah. So it's so it's so if it's, it's a hub capped, that's a, that's sorry, that's a wheelie, that's a wheelie bad joke. That's a, yeah, that's one for the motor enthusiasts. Out there. You might, yeah, you, you must be tired of that one. <laughs> Inflating my own ego. Um, my jokes are bad. They're just getting worse. Oh, um, but yeah, I am. I am super keen. And just looking at that fixture, man, it makes me want to start some people like Brayshaw. Those first rounds, he could get off the absolute chain. And I haven't had Brayshaw on my side at all this year because I'm like, well, why would you want to pick a breakout? But Sarong Brayshaw, I'm reading this fixture, and I tell you what, they're not. You, they're people you want to start. You if you if you have a soft draw, like Adelaide could go off the chain. Um, West Coast, what's their midfield even going to look like at that point in time? Collingwood, brand new midfield, you know, different dynamics. It's just going to be I, – I, I quite I quite rate it, Swizz. Now I'm actually thinking, fuck, how can I get as many free metal players in my side as I can? Yeah, this is the problem when I'm, we do I'm these pods. I'm not even pods. kidding. No, because I, I literally finish the pod and go, oh, hang on, I've got to change my team here. I've just been talking about this player it. and it's – yeah, recency you compare, there. But... You compare – Clayton Oliver's start to his season and how difficult that is for, you know, minus Gold Coast, who it's his bunny team. Um, Gold Coast have a really tough start as well. I think Saints have a very soft draw, so I'm big on the Saints. It's um, They're the kind of considerations, though, because when you play top eight teams, sometimes it's, you know, you don't score as much, you get less of the pie, you get locked down and clamped, and your job just becomes a little harder because teams don't allow you those, uh, afford you those leniencies that, crap teams do right well not not crap but as in ones that leak points and you know brayshaw could just him and sarong or even some of these rookies man i'm in i'm i'm invested let's see what we've got let's have a look let's go straight into the premiums and let's talk about let's talk about well speaking of you know bad teams i wonder what their rucks are like because sean darcy uh, i know it's a little bit contentious because you know sean darcy uh, a little bit of, was it Achilles tightness? So he got managed for a little bit, but he was flying. He was training super hard. He was light. He was trying to improve his running and obviously just tried a little too hard. The big boy, uh, a little bit of Achilles tightness that they were managing. Swizz, high score of 193, average 118. Is Sean Darcy now worth the money? <laughs> well, this is the problem last year. And I don't know if you remember, every week I was trying to trade in Sean Darcy and then something else was going wrong with my team and just couldn't bring him in because I was so big on him last year. And I said at the end of the preseason, uh, end of the postseason, I will not, I will be definitely starting my team, Sean Darcy in it. But, but <laughs> it's amazing how things change and you look at money and you're like, oh, I can spend that money elsewhere and, and that little Achilles niggle and stuff like that. And, oh, yeah, maybe he has to rest forward and we've got to give Lord Meek a go or whatever. But, oh, he's, his potential to score big, and we talk about that ceiling, is amazing. That, that run that he went on in the second half of the year was just fantastic. So he, he yeah. gets the ball, wins hitouts to advantage. You know, he's in that perfect age bracket as the Ruckman coming through. He's been in the system for ages. So there's a lot of positives about there, you know, Freo on the up. And if they're winning games too and they have a good young midfield that are keen to have a crack, he is definitely someone that could go big. Um, you know, Riley O'Brien, 
Um, probably Marshall because I don't know if Ryder how he's traveling. Um, Nick Nat will probably be the harder one, but then you know Bruce, uh, Draper, um, Carlton. Who have they bloody got again? Uh, oh, DeConning and fucking. Uh, uh, yeah, I think DeConning might even be DeConning yeah. will probably be even I number one there this the year. First rocket um, Geelong, would they got they got the Segler. Um, Geelong Segler. So again, yeah, North Melbourne. So yeah, Goldie's obviously you know decent, but he's getting older. Wits. And that's not really until you hit Grundy and Gorn that it's actually starts to, you know, possibly slow him down. And even that, that's, you know, that's what nine rounds in. So on the 10th round, they're playing that and he's playing against what, maybe one or two solid Ruckman in that time. So it's yeah. so definitely the, a consideration. This is the, this is the balance. Cause you sit there and go, okay, you got 146 first Essendon last year, 193 against the Blues, 183 against the Hawks, 156 against the Cats, and then the 150 against West Coast. However, you balance that out and go, the 146 was against a brand new Draper. The 193 was against, I don't even know if Decon, maybe DeConning very early on his career there. Hawthorne were playing, it could have been Reeves that night. And I think the Suns had Burgess as their ruck. So yes, he had some massive scores, but he actually didn't do it against some of those quality rucks compared to what some of the other players did. So that's just got me looking that little bit deeper going, do we have enough data against the really good rucks in the league? Your Grundies, your Gorns, your Natanui's. That's that's my. That's the only thing that's probably keeping me going. Yeah, this guy's a hundred percent lock. You sound like a Vodafone or Telstra ad or whatever company it is. Oh, I don't have to worry about data. We don't have enough data. Don't have to worry <laughs> about data. Um, and here at Supercoaching Insider, we never have to worry about data. Unlimited supply. Um, yeah, it's definitely a consideration. And the other thing that kind of plays in my mind is that big boys generally start a bit slower. You know what I mean? When you look at the, the distance in the legs and Ruckman, they're bigger boys. They take a little bit longer to get the actual match and game fitness to go. Usually Ruckman, they don't just come out and go absolutely blitzing. They kind of start off and they chip away and they get, you know, the 100, the 100 or the 90s, 100, low 100s. And then they really build that momentum and then they get on a fire. So this is even back like with Sanderlands and all those other guys. Generally, the big boys start a little bit slower, right? Round one for how many years, you know, Grundy got like a 90 and everyone's like, oh, baby out of the bathwater, like fuck this and trade him. Like it's, it's just stupid. And then it's the mobile rucks that do well in the first round. So everyone's like, oh, let's just trade them in and absolute anarchy. Um, so that's my other consideration is that because he is highly priced, do I want to lock myself into that R2 knowing it could be Darcy, knowing it could be Nick Nat, knowing it could be even fuck Riley O'Brien could even impress with a full preseason. Um, with, he has a high enough ceiling to make a state, a statement, I guess, or a stake in the claim. Um, but that soft draw, man, it's a tough one. Hey, it's getting me nervous and pinching myself because if Darcy goes big, you're not going to afford him. <laughs> like yeah, until exactly. the buyers maybe and the ship yeah. sailed. Yeah. And the issue with Fremantle and they've always been, doesn't matter who coaches them. They're not a high scoring team. They never have been. So it's not like you're losing points because you're getting those inside 50 contested marks and kicking lots of goals and that. So the points, they win the games. They get a good chunk when they win, but who are the points are going to now? Fife isn't as dominant anymore. And we saw the scaling last year, Darcy, and especially if you get those Perth games where you get the rain come through and it's just throw up, throw up, throw up. Darcy hit out to advantage five points there, five points there, and then it gets scaled. And that's the other where he's getting those massive scores. And it could be the same again this year where he, you know, you get those games and he lays a tackle and there's another hit out and, and the score, well, 
what was that game a couple of years ago where they won like 40 to 30? No, Carlton might have won that after the sign 40 to 36 or stuff like that. You always get these odd Perth games where it's a solo scoring um, and they get that Fremantle doctor and the bad weather comes in. So I do like him as a ruck because Natanui and, and Fremantle rucks, you know, as you said, Sanderlands have scored very well over a number of years and that's to do with those conditions. Yeah, and for me, I think it's just going to be the eye test. Now, for some people, you might be like, oh, wow, like your soft draw, I'm in. And that's cool. Like, make up your mind. Don't listen to us 100% of the time. <laughs> it's one of those things. And sometimes, like with the Collingwood podcast, people are like, man, you just get, you didn't even, you gave me more questions than answers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. sometimes that's just the nature of the business. Sometimes we we have more questions that we don't have answers to. And we're kind of just weighing it all up, putting it together, and then just trying to make a good judgment, which Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And at this point, if I watch, if Darcy gets out there and starts playing preseason and he ticks off the eye test, now I'll tell you what, it's going to be hard for me. I'm going to be trying to fit him in left, right, and center. Um, mm. As long as, you know, with balancing and everything like that. But he is definitely one I've had in my side maybe 30 to 40% of the time. And the other times I like, you know, it's dependent on Bruce and how he goes. So, yeah, it's going to be one of those things. But, yeah, Darcy, don't mind it at all. Yeah, right now I've got... Riley O and Pruce, but I've got enough money to go Darcy in and then Pruce back down to that Hayes or that whatever that cheap Ruckman that we're Jeez. looking at, the 123. How do you because, have so much money, Swizz? Oh, yeah, it's just the way I plan my teammate. It's, you know, it's all good, mate. Bloody it's hell. all good. Um, yeah, right. Uh, interesting. So, okay, let's move on. So, Brayshaw, we touched on him briefly, had 190, impressed in the time trial with, um, was it Clark? So Jordan Clark impressed as well in that time trial, 584K. So he is fairly expensive, but again, a discounted price. He's about 100,000 less than, say, a Took Miller. And I reckon Brayshaw now, based on the uh, that early draw, I reckon Brayshaw could even, oh, maybe even match it with Tukey for the first six weeks. I don't know. It's That's a that's a ballsy-ass statement. Uh, that's what I, okay. I'll is, take, I'll take that back. I don't know. I'll no, take, no, I'll I take like that it, back. mate. It's, I really like. No, stand by your stuff. You've put it out there for the people. But no, stand but I've been it, big. On, I've been. I've been big on Took though. And the problem is they have a tough start to the year. But the new yeah. tackle rules will help Took. But I think Brayshaw could definitely be pushing that one twenty mark. I mean, he averaged one fifteen the last six. Uh, he was very inconsistent at the start of the year. He had some real big scores of like you know one twenty odds, and then followed it up with like a sixty or a seventy. Remember? Yeah. So I think he might get more consistent this year. It wouldn't surprise me if he started coming out averaging, you know, 120 plus, or even if he did have a couple of real big games just to inflate that average to start. Uh, it's going to be interesting. But Brayshaw now, even for draft leagues, great VC option, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if you can get him second or third round, fuck, what a bargain. I reckon third round, you'd be laughing if you had a Brayshaw. Yeah, for sure, mate. Like, yeah, what was it early on here? That 66 and 48. I don't think he's going to be going that low again and that like everybody has and that bad game and that but you it's amazing when those, yeah but amazing when those guys sort of hit their fifth sixth year you don't see those 40s and 50s in their score again you, you might see the odd 70s and that but they just find ways to find the pill so already you, you knock out a couple of those and he had another i think there was another um low score in there later on or there was a 70 as well so i think those lower scores start to come up and and, and then even still he's ceiling now with Chera leaving, there's those extra points that are going to be through their midfield. Fife and Mundy won't be doing as much as the load as they used to. Brayshaw is the number one man in there now. And if Darcy's dominating the ruck, it's plus five Darcy it's straight down on. to Brayshaw. 
yeah, and I'm very tempted to jump on. Like, it's always uh, can you jump on the break the breakout when there's other players? But this is what happened last year. People jumped on Parish. People jumped on Took, and they were the ones that you know were right up there at the come season's end in Supercoach. And these are the risks you have to take. Now, if it doesn't work out, uh, well, you th- at worst, what is it, what's he going to average? At the very worst, like he was one and seven last year. He's not going backwards. No, he won't go backwards. No, so even then, one ten to one fifteen. Yeah, yeah one ten to one fifteen. Definitely, off. yeah. So what? Are, so what? So what you're looking at is one ten when. So what? Took's going to go what in the one twenties. So you're ten points off a game for those first ten weeks, eleven weeks. You're only you're only losing a hundred points out by, and you still save cash. And if you've maximised that cash of a hundred k to something, if that's the difference between going Riley O'Brien to Darcy, well, you've made those points up or even those points out. But then if Brayshaw was to break out and match Took or match Steele or, or Oliver on these tougher draws early on, well, you're way ahead of the pack. Yeah, no, I agree. And not only that, if you had him last year, expecting, because quite a few jumped on early, right? Um, secondly, good for standard um, leagues as well as a point of difference. You know, you don't want every single of the same player. And I know, I think his 190 was actually in a final at some point, Supercoach final or a, a, one of those finals, absolutely dominated people that, you know, when with those that owned him. But if you had him last year and you had the talent and you thought he was talented, then you should be doubling down, right? Mm. Not much changes. If you had him last year based on the potential and your belief that he will dominate, he's only going to improve on that. So you should be doubling yeah. down. Not, oh, I got burned because I picked him as a breakout, but he wasn't quite a breakout that year. It's kind of like, okay, well, now you should be actually doubling down on that investment. And if you weren't hurt by him, then he's definitely a consideration. Well, yeah, um, the one ninety was the one ninety was against us, so I remember that very well. We just ran around right. Richmond don't tag, so yeah, you know we we I had to sit there all day and just watch Brayshaw just bring his own pill. But yeah, if you, yeah, you said people are not picking him as the breakout the year before, obviously when he had that thirty one point jump, but he still got six points on his average last year, and it, you know, he's got the ability to go that six eight points, which that's usually what Zachy Merritt goes, and Zach Merritt's always around that eighth to tenth best player. So Brayshaw could, like, if he gets that 115, he's still going to be a top eight midfielder. And you've still paid less than what, um, you know, he's going to go up to. He's going to end up in those 600 price range. So it's not a bad pick. And it it just depends if you avoid him compared to a Took or an Oliver. You just hope those guys don't go, you know, mental early on and, and, you know, as Oliver's done before and scored a 200 or something like that, you hope they have some of those poor games and you still pick Oliver up for a 600. And you That's look my like only concern with Clary. They play Gold Coast, I think it is, round two. Yeah, and that's, he's their bunny side. But when you look at outside of Gold Coast, I think maybe three or four of the other teams that he plays around them, are, he's notoriously not scoring as well. And mm. the reason it's relevant is because Clayton Oliver went big from his second season. Right, so all of his history scoring against opponents is probably as accurate as you could ever get because there's not many players that come in from the second year. Clayton's a freak. He came out and dominated with like a 115 average from year two. And then you look at the stats, go, okay, well, his history against opponents is probably as accurate as you could get compared to any other player in the league. And that's what concerned me. But then you look at Gold Coast and that's the bunny side. He just, you know what I mean? But short of preseason, maybe Gold Coast improved. Maybe they have some accountability. It's just one of those things. But if Clayton goes big against Gold Coast and I don't have him, I'll be like crying in the corner knowing that was definitely a likely possibility of happening. So 
Yeah, Brayshaw, I, I'm definitely big. 4% owned as well, so definitely a point of difference for someone with a soft draw that could go top eight potential. He could be the Clayton Oliver of you know, yesteryear. Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? he, could be, he could be this year's uh, Walsh. You know what I mean? Hard running outside and inside, but again, a soft draw. Man, I'm 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 not going to mind it. Man, but the I, soft draw even, means... I, could he well, average more than mate. Sorry, mate. The soft draw means that, you know, there's always a chance to pick up the goals. And that, I was just looking at his uh, tackling numbers, to how that compares to some of those other big players, because that's what we're looking at with the, the rule change um, with Steele and Miller. Obviously going to be tackling players get more rewarded for some of those free kicks. And it might only be a difference of three points a game, but that's still, you know, that can be the difference between him being a better pick than Oliver or a, um, you know, a McRae or something like that. But um, so you have your tackle numbers, McRae, um, and I think it was Clary, both that and Bont all around that five last year. And that's what Brayshaw averages. So he's around the same as those premium guys with tackles as it is. So, apart from well, yeah, wasn't thing, two, just, two, two still two, were probably the two most. Still, they were the most un, yeah, unrewarded, weren't they? They were. They were. They were about three uh, above that. Uh, so Brayshaw's in, online with those other guys, and your McCrae's, your your Bonds, your Olivers. So if you think Brayshaw can probably pick up those extra, probably even if it's an extra position a quarter, no chera, easier draw, and pick up an extra goal a game. Well, he's that's. Already, that's sort of your eight, nine points. Um, and, and that's what we're saying. He's probably got that, that on him. And if you think 115 paying that price is going to be close enough to average, you know, what, what's Clary going to go in those first rounds? Where even if he goes 120, well, the gap between Brayshaw and Oliver isn't that big, but you're saving 100,000. And that's what it all comes down to what you're going to do with that money. If, if that means you're upgrading an 110 rookie to Jason Horn Francis, if that means, as we said before, Riley O to Darcy, um, that's that's where the difference comes in. Because you can you can cop losing those five points a week to Oliver if he is able to do that. Yeah, or even then having Proust as your R3 for a little bit of extra coverage. You know what yep. I mean? Maybe if there was no other option there, then that yeah. way you could, hey, um, I, I actually don't mind it. And here's the thing. Coming into this, I had not had Brayshaw in my team at all. And now I'm like, fuck, how do I get him in? And that's just by looking at the fixture. When you start to look at things and you look at premiums, there's not one set, there's not one rule. But when you start to look, okay, who are they playing? Let's go over the, the usual that we do. And then you go, wow, that's so, and we've spoken about before, like soft draw to start, get on them. And we said it with, was it Max Gorn two years ago? Right. Basically, I think it was after the first few rounds, I'm like, you need to get on Max Gorn now because he's going average 140 for the next six rounds. And he went like even higher. It was just yeah, yeah. one of those things. Soft draw is in A, you generally win more games, you get more slice of the pie, and then you're usually going to have your top premiums just start to possibly run rampant and get a bigger slice of that pie. So it's, yeah, yeah it's harder for losing teams to score. Moving on from the guy who's in 4% to the guy that's in 8%. Now, this guy isn't technically, well, premium. If people say it's over 450000 well, then he te technically is a premium. But we've got to talk about Sarong. Because it's yes. the same argument about draws. It is. Um, for me, I probably want the eye test on seeing him. Now, for me, Sarong, yes, he's 450K and he probably makes you 100K, but is he going to be top eight potential? I can I only see Brayshaw being able to break into that top eight midfielder from Fremantle this year. That's why I'd be picking him. I'd, you know, I understand the price point of difference. 
right? Patrick Cripps has been there before. Similar price point. Could Sarong go 115 plus? I can't see it yet. I mean, he averaged, what, 100 for the last seven rounds. It's possible, I guess. He's shown no glimpses, but can he put it all together consistently enough, Swiss? I don't know. I'm not sold. Yeah. If that if that last seven rounds is 110, 115, and he still finishes for that 80 average or 85 average last year, then you've got me interested because I'm like, okay, there's, there's that scoring period. But a, a flat 100, I'm like, okay, not only hasn't he shown it, so he's got to show something that he's never done before. And I think a lot of people are jumping on because, oh, my God, Chera's gone, Chera's gone, all these points. But I think that's more, yeah, he's going to get that bump. And we're looking at guys, you know, there's cheaper guys like, you know, your Georgie Hewitts, who are like 60,000 cheaper, who are probably going to have that 20-point bump as well. And I think that's where um, Sarong is. He's, you know, averaged 82 last year. He, he's got 20 points in him. I can see him being that guy who's going to go that flat 100, maybe stretch to 105. But then it puts you in that difficult point where, say, if you're doing it with Hewitt, well, as a defender, you're more likely to be in that top 10 or be challenging for that top 10 where there's so many good midfielders. Sarong gets 100, yeah, but there's another 30 midfielders who are better than him. Um, so I don't like the price point for the midfield. I don't like somebody who hasn't shown that scoring potential. Definitely going to put 100K on his price. He's going to average well, but yeah, I would rather go a person who I'm going to keep for the whole year. Yep. Ah, uh, can't agree with that anymore, to be honest. So, Sarong, I understand the upside, but again, I think it's people getting carried away. Everyone's averaging more. He might do you know, a good job and average you, you know, low hundreds, which would be fine in a draft league, picking him up. You know, he's an 82.9 average starting point. So, you pick him up at a you know low 90 position in draft, and you've got some flexibility and some swing and, and profit margin that you can jump away and dig into. But for him to be a top eight forward, he needs to go 115 plus. So... I, there's not too often like dogs are one where you have multiple and you know Brisbane multiple you know key players Melbourne possibly I guess Petrarca was not far off that sort of top sort of 10 mark but it's not that common that you're going to have multiple I mean Sydney once had three but I, I need to see it first and for that at that point you know even if he starts going well uh, yeah I, I, I can't agree more um next one let's move on let's go and have a look um Nathan Fife. Luke Ryan, I think we'll probably pair these two together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifey might get a forward status this year, particularly when he had, what was it, shoulder surgery and then an infection in the shoulder, so it took a bit longer to kind of get over and that sort of stuff. Um, he had follow-up uh, follow shoulder surgery, what a tongue twister, and is aiming to join full training in February, possible for DPP change is what I've got written down here, and uh, touch and go, I think, for round one. So sort of building... If he does come in slightly underdone, I reckon he'll probably play more time forward just to get himself back in, get some continuity in his body, feel good before he starts pinch hitting midfield a bit more. Uh, so he's definitely one to watch if he gets forward DPP. For me, I'm not starting him because he is underdone. Um, and the next one, Luke Ryan, 540K. With a softer again, Luke Ryan could definitely be pushing that sort of top six mark if he doesn't get injured. If they utilize him, uh, he averaged, what, 100 or 99.5 the first six. Went huge on the next six, 113.2. And everyone's like, yes, he's back. Luke Ryan's back. And then he shut the bed with an 87 over the last seven. So I don't know. He burnt me last year, so I won't start him. 
even though you're not meant to use your head, you're meant to use your heart or whatever it is, or use your the other way around. Don't but use yeah, your, yeah don't use your heart, use your head. But <laughs> he burnt me so bad by missing games last year, and um, I couldn't get rid of him because he was still doing well enough. So yeah, what do you yeah. reckon about those two, Swiss? Mate, I'm a big fan of Luke Ryan. The only problem is it's the last four years: twenty games, eighteen, seventeen, nineteen. If he at just one point had played twenty-two games, I might be tempted. The guy's body just lets him down, and that and it's so frustrating because yeah, he's gone 95, 107, 99. If this guy could play twenty-two games, <laughs> he could be the best defender in the comp. And there was one year I think I targeted him as like my number one defender, and I went really hard at him. I think I took him in the second round, and that was the year he got one hundred seven. Fantastic, but he missed five games that year and just frustrated the shit out of me. Um, so I don't mind him looking as an upgrade option um, at some point, but he's nearly becoming one of those guys you nearly need to start because you think you're going to trade him out. It's the Josh Kelly factor um, with him, and if he play, oh, if you get away me. with Can it, we use someone else. <laughs> yes. Um, send those gifts, boys. Send those gifts. Um, twenty-two. If he and if he comes off and plays twenty-two games, fantastic. You look like a genius. But he's one of those ones you've got to think. At some point, I'm probably going to have to trade this guy out because he's going to miss two or three weeks. Um, so I don't hate the pick, but I, you know, I like better options in that back line just because of his durability. Nathan Fife, probably every women's favorite player probably dead to most men at the moment since it looked like he was dating Elise Perry, so he can get stuffed. Um, uh, was every female's dream until he had a haircut and had yeah, some well, weird patchy-ass moustache. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, man, I thought, I thought I couldn't grow a moustache, but, um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, if Australia's favourite um, female sport, if everybody's favourite female sportsman likes it, um, yeah, there must be something in it, but, yeah, it's pretty shit. Yeah, I agree with you, Fifey. If he if he got through that whole preseason, yeah, but he he's one of those ones everybody is just hoping round six after round six, DPP put him in, and um and we'll pick him up in the forward line, and then you hope there's an injury, and then they, he moves into the midfield back permanently and does what Fifey does. So he's one at some point. I think nearly everyone, all the serious super coach teams, are going to own at some point because he should pick up dual status all going well and then um yeah we'll we'll be talking about him in later episodes hey quick question when we talk mm. about say luke ryan and at least his scoring potential and his role which is probably a little bit more certain compared to a ridley when you look at the draw that Fremantle have and the role that you think ryan will play if he looks fit in the preseason games who would you rather start personally i'm a more ryan fan than ridley you see, I was big on Ridley, but now I'm like, hey, maybe I could double down and get butt hurt again. <laughs> but, but, um, but I would actually say I'm, I'm avoiding both. I think, as again, I think there are yeah. better, more secure options than right. And, and probably the thing that opened up now and that hauls out people like, oh, well, who am I going to go down to? But I still think there are some better options in that defense oh. than Ridley, who are not 100% on their role, as we talked about in the Essendon pod, and Ryan, the injury-prone Luke Ryan. Yeah, that's true. But again, if you're going to start him, your best. You've got to if start you're going him. to have him, yeah, you have to start yeah. him. It's, I think I did it yeah. with Fife a f couple of years ago when Fife went big, and Chris was all like, "I'm not picking Fife because he's injury prone." Um, but again, if he's fit with that soft draw, he is definitely someone that can rack up some one twenties. And oh, Aaron Hall, wasn't that some uh, interesting news? You know, the, uh, you know the disappointing the, thing. The group been, chat. The group yeah, chat. Grimo, was, Grimo was like shattered because Grimo has been so big on him, and so was uh, I. But him. I actually jumped off him last week. 
And I was like, oh, I hope everyone picks Aaron Hall because it was just something in it going, you know what, I'm completely jumping off this guy. And then he gets injured anyway and everybody's got to jump off. And it's just like, damn. I thought I was hoping See, for the burn factor like you, Benny boy. It seems mean, right? But I was definitely doubling down because, you know, I said just because he has one one good year doesn't mean he's not made of glass. And yeah. I was adamant that he wasn't, a, you know, yes, he has a good scoring potential, but I was adamant that he wasn't a durable pick. And he made it through last year. I'm like, wonderful. I am not taking that risk. And I was like, oh, yes, he's a premium. And I was like, okay, cool. He has the potential to score premium numbers when on the field, but I wasn't doubling down on him having a full year. And when I, you know, I was like, yeah, when you're short stocks, you're kind of like, well, I'm going to double down. I'm not taking a loss. I'm doubling down. I'm going to short more stocks. Um, and that's how it was. And when it, news came out, he's injured. And it was like, oh, we have to find a new new person to pick and stuff. And I'm just, you don't want to applaud injuries because that's really mean and, and um, sadistic and extremely cruel. But I was just like, there we have it. And I was like, just messaging all the group chats, like, boom, <laughs> it is what it is. All right, let's crack on in and let's get on into the good stuff. Uh, hopefully, Chris will be joining us for the, uh, what is it, the Gold Coast, the GWS, and the Hawks podcast. I believe he said he will make himself available. I mean, Chris got a little bit going on right now, but we have his back, Swizzy, as always. Uh, Fremantle. Big on, now, yeah, your your boy Chris is very big on the socials at the moment, mate. He's uh, yeah, doing some good work well, in the gym and doing some good work on the dating scene, so uh, good on him. Yes, um, and he, he did apologize to one of our listeners as well, saying, hey, boys, you know, I tried to hit you up before, and um, where are you at? So Chris actually did tweet back to apologize, and let me give him a little shout-out because I know you're probably listening right here now. Uh, Tim Dean, surely we get the podcast coming out a bit quicker. I love them so much. Always look forward to listening to the podcast each week. What a nice little backhanded compliment there. So Timmy <laughs> Smith, mate, or Tim Dream Smith, because um, – Apparently, all his dreams are wet, mate, listening to us. So, a shout out to you. I think I know a Timmy Smith, actually. I went to school with him. I wonder if it's the same bloke. So, shout out to you, Timmy. If you are the same bloke, yeah, I hope you're going well, buddy. There you go. He just wants more swizz. He wants more piece of that pie. <laughs> um, getting into these mid prices now to start. Now, I've got a real juicy one to start, boys. And um, and by boys, I mean everyone listening and Chris, uh, in theory, hypothetically, uh, everyone out there in the Twittersverse on the line. Uh, the first one I want to touch on is Hayden Young. So he's 418,000, defender only. Am I game enough to pick him in standard? No, because I think it's kind of a guns and rookies approach, or at least guns and mid-pricer approach loading up in defense. But Hayden Young, 418K, averaged 76.9 over eight games last year, had some injuries, came back in average, what, 89.6 on the back end. So I thought that was very impressive on his return. Has some real potential. Now, here's why I'm sold. Right, so when we look at Youngie, basically you say blink and you might have missed it, but one of the skills-based drills rebounding, Hayden Young assumed a midfield role at a stoppage. Young was also the man tipped by Andrew Brayshaw to fill the likely midfielder void left by Chera. Brayshaw said Young's running ability and elite disposal made him a good replacement, and coincidentally enough, Brayshaw and Young lined up on each other as Fremantle practiced a stoppage. Fellow defender Brandon Walker and speedster Michael Frederick matched up as well. So this was obviously before Frederick got injured. But Youngie, for me, I'm definitely looking at it draft leagues. You already saw he averaged, what, 89.6 on the back end of the last five games. He is someone who could, very talented enough, what was he, a pick eight, top 10 pick around that, could average you 90-plus. Swiss. Yeah, mate. I, um, there's, I think, one keeper league I've got him in, so... Like yeah, the that. He was meant to be the, playing that intercept role, but 
you know, you're, you'll never uh, dismiss guys who are going to get some midfield time. So it's more likely to be more of a defensive midfielder. But, yeah, if he's going to rotate back, hopefully take some intercept marks and then, you know, get the odd CBA, yeah, it's it's definitely something in the future because that's another string to his bow. And uh, somebody you should definitely be looking at in those drafts, especially if it's a keeper league. Yeah, definitely one that if he's there or around the mix, you, you've got to look at him. And he's such a good kick, though. He was drafted as an elite kick. So you imagine your Sarong's in there getting the tough ball, picks it up out of a contest, bang, pops it out to Young, and he just laces out and picks the best target. You need those kind of guys in there, and more teams are now starting to try and get a blend of types in that midfield. It's not always as cut and dry or black and white as it used to be. Collingwood are now, they've picked, they've actually identified four different types of midfielders to complement each other. You don't want all of the same type in there. So you have your, your goies, your stringers, your rainers, you have your explosive types, you have the outside, the runners, you have your big bulky guys in the middle, and then you have your good decision makers and your elite users. And Young is definitely a good decision maker and an elite user. So this is what teams are starting to come up with now. You see the dogs trying to get some flexibility in there. I think it's going to be more of a shift towards the future where the they've realized and identified that CBAs, center bounce is one of your biggest opportunities to get forward momentum, right? And there's a positive correlation. There's a good word for you. A positive correlation between winning, winning the center bounce and scoring, or at least having it down there to then try and stop them transitioning and then score. It's a huge aspect of the game and they can't have the same type of players running in and butting heads because all you do is get boom, flipped over and exposed on the back end. Swizz. That sounds like very North Melbourne Adelaide like. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Flipped over and on the back end. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. um, the innuendo this this these last couple of pods has been absolutely oh, unreal. Bloody hell. Yeah, and the other reason why Young's going to be freed up because they've brought in and then they targeted Jordan Clark. So Jordan Clark's going to play half back yes. flank. You, you've already got Liam, um, Liam Ryan. You've got Luke Ryan back there who either floats as the third defender, but plays that sort of halfback flank, brings it an intercept mark, but he's got the skills to bring out the ball. I've uh, so got old mate Dry Lips as well. Yep, exactly. Um, so, old mate Dry Lips, Mr. Chapman. It's Mr. Chapman, which uh, and, and which we'll talk about soon. But, yeah, so Hayden Young goes into that midfield field if he's not going to get as much of that defensive role. And, yeah, use those kicking skills. And as we said, and he's got some, he's got the defensive skills already built into him because he you know came through the ranks as a, a defender. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's a, a real good one. And we, we've talked about for keeper leagues. Um, definitely is a smoky where people are going to dismiss again for the Fremantle factor. But, um, yeah, they, they might be looking at it going, well, you know, there's a, there's always those other players around. He has only played the 13 games so far. So people might be, um, you know, trying to avoid him. And, yeah, you might have to pick a real good one up there. Yep. I don't know if I'll put him in the uh, standard side, but no. uh, he, you know, mind you, if he comes out and absolutely dominates, then it might be hard to kind of ignore. But for me, draft leagues, draft leagues, left, right, and center, value is what value does, and you have to pick up people. Because even if you get them around their average, you know you're getting more than what you bargained for. Um, so they're the ones that we definitely like to look at. Clark as well, definitely good value, 338K midfielder um, off the halfback line. He could average you 80 to 90 quite reasonably on that you know, super coach friendly role. He's definitely probably going to have that role compared to what he had at Geelong and get a bit more run of the roost there. Chapman, for me, is probably the big unknown. Um, 275K defender. Basically said he'll play a variety of roles. 
Now, that suits some people. It looks like he'll be Mr. Fix-It, depending on injuries. He can play defensively, uh, multiple types, more um, more defensive or more rebounding, can intercept and kick as well. So I think he'll be the Mr. Fix-It at Fremantle. Yeah, Heath, Heath um, Cavill, when you are just talking about him, mate, I think he's one to kind of monitor because if you get that one of those long-term injuries, that's where he's going to pick up that kind of role. So he could be a really good waiver one at some point in the year when Luke Ryan gets his normal injury or, you know, there's, there's another injury that goes down where they've got to swap someone else in because he's already playing those multiple roles. He could be an easy one just to fit in for that six to eight weeks. And yeah, it could be just an, a nice little waiver pick there. Yep. No, I do agree. Um, next one to go is probably just a couple of little left field ones. Walters, Right, average 64.2, 349K. I wouldn't be putting him in standard, but for draft leagues, if you think he might get to an 80 average, you could. The issue is that Walters won't be probably getting that midfield time. He's seen more as like a mentor and stuff at the moment. Definitely had a down year though. So I wouldn't mind putting a Walters like on my bench if you got him late enough because you will know within the first month what he's doing and you'll know to just get rid of him for someone else, but at least you know that there's upside. And if he starts to really crack in and get some continuity and confidence, then you've got an absolute winner. And I think I did the same thing with Higgins a few years back. No one wanted Higgins, put him on the on the bench, and then all of a sudden Higgins was started, you know, uh, Sean Higgins just started to kill it, and I had a, an 88 average player just sitting there. And it's perfect. You know, no one wants these guys thinking that they're absolutely done, and that's pretty much what you want, potential for your bench spots on your draft. Standard though, Swiss, no go. Him no, and Skwetowski. No, no, you can't go. And that's the same as you're saying about Walters and Higgins. David Mundy's also in that thing. People don't like in draft leagues touching these old guys. You can always pick them up late. And even in keeper, like, better remember in keeper leagues, uh, depends on how many you set. There's some keeper leagues, I mean, you only get to keep 12 players. There's other you get to keep 20. So you do have to ditch people. So picking up players like Mundy's fine because at least you know or Walters. It's an easy one to ditch come at the end of the season. So it's, it's not one of those ones I've got, I've got to work out 50-50 who I drop. And you're losing nothing for him because you can pick them up late. And look at Monday last year with his average, and, and Walters has done it before. So perfect if you you know you can get them in the right round. Yeah, except Monday had an uh, ankle injury, which was remaining to be managed coming into this the year this year. So I'm not sure how he's tracking just of late. Um, but he did have a pretty nasty ankle injury at the end of last year, so I'm waiting to see how he tracks on that. Yeah, but um, you, again, he just keeps yeah. keeps on keeping on, really. Yeah, but you, as we said, like Walters, I think I've seen him going in some like you know round sixteen, round seventeen, like that's your F four, F five, depending on how deep your league is. And and Monday's the same, like he's going down around that bench spot because people are like, oh god, was he thirty six and he's injured? I'm not touching him, and they just leave him, leave him, leave him, and. You know, somebody will sit there, put him on his bench, and when he gets himself right, you know, if you can have a guy that can slot onto your field, get a couple 80s, 90s, and that's fantastic for a guy that's cost you, you know, practically what's going to become a wafer pick for some people. Yeah, they're the speculative ones. Um, and not only that, this is probably the year that he actually gets DPP, and you get him, no one wants him, you pick him up super late, he averages you like 90 DPP, bang, easy. So I don't mind that risk to see what role he's playing to start the year when he does come back if he isn't starting originally. Um, if you've got a DPP and Monday's hitting you a 90, man, you're laughing. Mm. It's a huge bonus, especially in draft. Anything over like an 85 towards a 90 in deep leagues, 10 to 12 teams with 22 players, uh, 80 plus for those fringe players is absolutely um, 
yeah, it's worth its weight in gold. Next one is uh, Dusty Tucker as the last sort of mid-price option. 323K. I was kind of hot on his heels. Was considering him in standard even, except for the fact that, you know, probably Barry and Caldwell were cheaper and cheaper wins, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but he got injured, Swizz. Yeah, Darcy Tucker. I, I went out and traded for him in a keeper league because I was really big on him because he was going to have that role. Like, that's the one that was going to replace Chera, and now it's going to be young. Um, so the injuries well, couldn't be any worse. Yeah, even even a bit of both though. I mean, yeah. Chera uh, Tucker was definitely tipped to fill the void, probably primarily. Young's probably going to come in and in and out a little bit, but they did say playing as an inside mid during match simulation had a grueling off season running program, and they're talking about like a mid wing split at that yeah. time. So yeah. I, I wouldn't surprise me if like Young was going to go wing and then inside. And then probably even then probably float back and um, you know Henry come up on the wing and go forward. I think they're trying to be flexible, Fremantle, yeah. and I think they probably have to be. Ah, uh, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, the hey, o- the what only do you good do, thing, like a mate, hammy? The only good thing is because it's a keeper league, it's a long term investment there. So yeah, he's definitely going to at some point he's going to be, become useful for me. So I still don't Was mind it the a fact traded for him. I'm just frustrated. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that Was is that what it is, hammy? mate. But. Yeah, so it's. Swiss, I don't think. Shut the fuck up and listen. Was okay, it a hamstring? Mate. You go. Yes, I said yes. That was. Okay, well, yeah, but you said yes in your other sentence. I was like, yeah, what well, are you talking yes about? You. Yes, fuck. Oh, yes. Oh, he said yes, everyone. <laughs> he said yes. Um. Okay, that was a bit aggressive. We can relax now. No, no, go. Um, no, fucking get it all out. Mate. No, that was it. I just that, that was just it. I just wanted an answer. I was like, was it his hamstring? I was like, am I am I high? Am I on crack? <laughs> are you a big man? Ha! Huh? You wake up and put on your big boy pants. Um, right, Liam Henry, three two hundred and twenty-eight k. Intriguing, Swizz. You are intrigued on the Henry. I am because he's that top ten pick, who looks like he's going to be playing some wing role on that. So he's a definite preseason watch, and we we don't get the same information with the Freer because I think they've got two practice games against West Coast. So it'd be nice that they play somebody else, but you know it is what it is over there. But yeah, if he lines up on the wing and you know plays majority time there as a forward option, um, we we talked about this and Ben's big on this. Instead of some of these first year guys, you're looking at guys who've been in the system two, three, four years because their body's developed. You know they've done all the pre-seasons, the fitness work. Unlike guys who have come in, especially with those who've been affected by COVID and haven't had a chance to play for the last couple of years. Henry could be one of those guys. Well, like what are we looking at? That two twenty. Remember, yeah, 220, uh, 228. Yeah, yeah. So he's slightly more expensive than those top line um, rookie places like JFH and that, and even the McCrae's that people are looking at. So, but the the great thing is he's a forward. Um, so you're you're in that Charlie Kernel um, kind of yeah. range. And if you think, or oh, if Charlie doesn't come through this preseason as well as we hope, um, and Henry, you know, is getting midfield time, well. It might not be the worst option. The only problem is we haven't seen much scoring from Henry because he's been playing small forward. So that's the big nope. risk with him. But his scoring has been so flat, it's kind of yeah. like Henry from Collingwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we saw it with like Burnt I think me. Daniel Rioli last year, never been a great scorer, got the right role and he went about plus thirty on his on his scoring once he went to that half back position. So Henry, who's you know, scoring at about forties. There's no reason if he's playing a wing, he couldn't be like a 70 player. And you only really need, as we keep saying, that sort of seven, eight, nine weeks out of him. And what have you been saying about their draw, Ben? 
Yeah, soft draw. Uh, and it's similar to your, your Caleb Daniels, you know, was playing forward, then went to a you know back line and then was scoring well. You look at Dale at the moment, you know, Bailey Dale wasn't scoring that great as a forward. It was still highly rated. They pushed him behind the ball. Next minute, he's killing it. So it's one of those things where wings definitely can score ball because they can push forward. They can push back and help out. And he's definitely that kind of mobile X-factor kind of player, Henry. So I don't mind him at all. He was definitely highly rated. They were stoked when they got him. And it's just one of those, you know, the skinnier guys with the X-Factor. Sometimes the X-Factor guys take a little bit longer um, to sort of get up and running. So I, I don't mind him. He's kind of in the similar boat with you and your Kurnows and your Rainers and those kind of things. If he comes out and starts absolutely cracking off, then I might say, okay, well, obviously the role's there. He's looked like he's got the potential. Maybe I'll take a dig. Uh, Brody's in the same sort of boat, 224K uh, mid-forward, you know, came across from the Gold Coast, looked like he might get a bit of a chop out from the, you know, the vacancies there, put his good foot forward, and then had a bit of a setback as well, Swizz. Yeah, and he was one of those guys, which we talk about, maybe some players just aren't up to it. Like, a high draft pick, looks the goods, clubs were chasing him, um, hasn't had a proper crack at it, but maybe there's a reason why. Like, I know the same argument's been made about Charlie Constable, like why isn't this guy getting games and that? And maybe it is just as simple as there wasn't a spot for him or maybe the coaches and he just didn't fit in there. But maybe this guy just isn't the football that we thought he was. And it happens with footballers. How many times do we see first-round picks just don't make it? And he might not be one of these guys. He's got the opportunity to go in there with Chera missing. Um, but even still, he's pre-season. It's not like I'm hearing great things about, oh, Will Brody's doing this, Will Brody's doing that. Um, definitely office we've heard with like, you know, Sharong, we've heard about Tucker, the Henry discussion we just had. But, yeah, I, I'm not hearing that from Will, about Will Brody, but 10% of people are on him at the moment. I feel like that'll probably, it'll either go one or two ways. He's going to dominate a preseason game and I and he's giving me massive Paddy Dow vibes where he's going to probably go out there, no attention. He's going to rack up sort of 25 possessions, kick a couple goals, and people are going to put him in, and he's going to start the year 20%, 25%. And then come the season, three games in, he's averaging 45, and the people are like, what the hell's going on with this guy? Well, I'd like to say he couldn't even get a game for Gold Coast, but you know, Jared Lyons also got delisted from Gold Coast, <laughs> so it's a hard argument to sell. But I will say this, similar to, remember Jackson Haitley, you know, left GWS and, oh, he's going to Adelaide and surely he gets a gig at Adelaide and got three games. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those things where sometimes they did say some positive things like, yes, he was training well, but they've just picked him up for, what, basically nothing. Mm. And they're saying, right, yeah, yeah, he's training well. He's putting his best foot forward. And it doesn't mean that he's just going to go out there and dominate because his role is still very much up in the air. Freeman didn't even want him. Mate, Freeman didn't bail. It was because Gold Coast, what, gave pick 19 with him as well, just so they could get his salary off the Gold Coast books. Off the books. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of um, oh, Brad Pitt um, where they're trading a, ba- a baseball. Yeah, Moneyball. Um, Moneyball, right? So Moneyball, it's like that. And the guy's just like, yeah, you're paying me like a lot of money. So, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. And he goes, nah, I ain't paying you all that. He goes, yeah, they're yeah. paying half your salary. Yeah. They're paying you. Yeah, they're paying half your salary because they don't want you to play for them. That's how much you know you mean to them. Yeah. It's like, what do you want from me? Yeah, it's like that. It's you know, get you off the books and um, done. So look, that is what it is. Uh, yeah, so he's in the in the discussion for me uh, when you talk about Brody. If I come out and I see it, I might get sucked into it. But I think there's so many other better players around the same price point at the moment that have me sold. Basically, how exactly how it is. There's already, when you break it down, 
Okay, so you've got Coleman from Brisbane, who I'm now starting to get big on, right? You've got um, Cornelio, you've got Reina, who now Fags has come out saying pretty much Reina and Bailey are getting first first crack at that midfield, and that Neil and um, Lions might actually start to push forward or push wide. <laughs> oh, don't get me started, right? <laughs> and but it's the same kind of premise, and then you have. Um, you know, Kurnow, who's actually had a season or a preseason and is probably the fittest he's been since he's been at the club. So I think they're all better price points and all better options, in my opinion. Yeah. And even Lee, to Lee put, Henry, to put that to bed. Just, Henry, we just talked about, mate. Better role. It seems no, like he's I'm got waiting, a better role. I'm waiting for the eye factor on that one. But yeah. um, better yeah, role but he than seems who? To have a better role than Brody already. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yep, and he's actually talented, and they actually wanted him, as you yeah. said. Uh, okay, let's move on to the rookies because there is one that has to be in a lot of people's teams or at least in consideration. Uh, O'Driscoll, Swizz, he's a defender mid. He's 123,000. Definitely, definitely, definitely one who has been impressing and should be in consideration, Swizz. Yeah, pick 27 in this draft. Um, yeah, all the vibes coming out about this about this kid. You know, he's done nothing wrong in the preseason. He's gone above... Um, Neil Erasmus, who we'll talk about in a second, who was the more higher draft pick. But yeah, every update that's coming out free, and we we don't get as much over the border compared to what what you guys get up in Queensland with fish whiting, and then what we get down here in in Melbourne. But yeah, the the sort of limited stuff we get from WA, it's uh it's all been a Driscoll as their number one rookie through the preseason. Yeah, I was just thinking when it rains at Driscoll's. Um, yeah, that's for me. I, I, I've got him in my squad. I think I might even have him on field at this point in time. Um, definitely, definitely within consideration. So I'm, again, waiting to see sort of the preseason games there. Uh, Erasmus, I'll let you get on to. Is it Erasmus? Um, yeah, 166K. Yeah, so they did say Stella starts with first preseason, and this was end of January. It looks like being the club's first debutante of 2022, which is what the club was saying. So they are definitely rating what he was putting down early. It just depends on, obviously, the the performances just before when you're starting to get into, into these intra-clubs, et cetera, are they worth their weight in gold as to whether they actually get a gig or whether they're just outside. Yeah, well, I was just looking at the Driscoll thing where they had the match sim and he was starting all the centre bounces and showing his strength. Erasmus, that's that more big body midfielder, um, went with, I think, um, West, uh, West Coast for me. Is that wrong? Um, Freeman, I was going to say that. Uh, no, no, because, hang on, have we, we've got the wrong player there, haven't we? No, no, because yeah, no, no, Erasmus, yeah, no, because West Coast were looking Rasmus, at him big. 160, right. 166,000 yeah, midfielder for that, West Coast. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, because um, West Coast were big, on, um, were big on him and didn't get through to them. Um, and, yeah, there was talk about the Tigers taking him with their first pick. Um, very, oh, and they kept it. They yeah, kept yeah, it too, kept, that's right. Kept it and said, very similar in the way that Hobbs plays, but he's just probably that little bit more classier, Erasmus, by foot. Um Big bodied again, you know, he's got they've naturally these young fellas take time to build into their body. I think that's just gonna be the little difference. But everyone said he's more likely to play first season, come in and and just his disposal by foot. So the the issue there is, you know, it's another one of those midfielders, you know, that's expensive. He's in that um Ward, Hobbs, Stevens range. Um and yeah, Driscoll seems just to have gone past him a little bit with those centre bounces. So I think he's going to definitely get game time. Um, it's just about how much game time. And I think 
maybe early on you'll probably start as a sub or you know might get you know be that 20 second person in and out of the team definitely seems sub worthy and then if you think if there's an injury to say tucker and say brody etc he might get a gig but then you have two people knocking at the door and they might give him a rest and the next minute the other players perform and it's like well now he can't get back into the team so it's just one of those things the next one to keep an eye on is uh matty johnston he's 117k midfielder he was actually one that looked like he was going to be um, a sure debutant. I think was he a mature? Uh, I can't remember. He was a he will miss four weeks though with a foot injury after uh, a bright start to his first preseason. So he's definitely one who I'll be watching as an upgrade target at this point. I think he will be injured for the start of the season. So um, yeah, one to watch. Swiss, have you got any insight on on old mate Johnston? Yeah, another one big body though. It's like. They got pick 21. They picked him up at another kid that was in the discussions of going around that 10, 11, 12 mark. Then even West Coast first pick, um, looking at him, Freo did so well out of this draft and even their last couple of drafts. So that's why there's a lot of talk about them. But yeah, unfortunately, it's, you know, he's more athletic, um, probably not in the range of as probably athletic as Cox was for Essendon, but he's in that range of that, like the 192 centimetre. He's going to be on the wing, really good with hand, really good with foot. Uh, and it would have been really exciting to see him start because I think they would have put him in that sort of Nick Cox kind of role and, and there would have been a lot of excitement about him. But unfortunately, yeah, the injury um, is going to put him back for a while. So maybe it could be a good one mid-season or whenever he comes in, we get to see a couple games of him and it could be a nice little downgrade option because... He, so him slipping to pick 2021 20, means he's coming out at 117,000. Yeah, I think that's definitely one to watch there. So I'm interested. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is Sam Sturt. Now, he's still injured, I believe. 8th of February, he was uh, noticeable on training sort of, you know, with his duties there. So Sam Sturt, definitely one that could go well. He's 201,000, so definitely more expensive. But he had some real potential, Sturt. He's been injured a couple times. So he's one that uh, you know he might not start the season, but if he comes out with a couple of big store, big scores, I still think he's quite talented. So I'm watching him subtly, nothing crazy, but again, another one just a note briefly. Yeah, I, I don't like the price, but it's one of those no, ones. Either, but... Now that he's been in the system for three years. Um, I think he's talented so... enough. He got a hundred in his first game. Remember, like it's. Um, He's definitely got some talent. It's one of those, you wouldn't want to start him, but if he comes in and even then upgrading is a pain in the ass because he's too expensive yeah. to really maximize cash. So, Well, he was a first-round draft pick in that late first round. Um, so, you know, all those guys, you know, if they've been taken that highly, there's obviously something about them. So, yeah, a watch. And that it would have been good if he'd had the full preseason. He was in there now because he would have put himself ahead of Erasmus and Driscoll and that, and it's just a shame he hasn't. But... Yeah, now maybe just something to watch throughout the season. Yeah, sounds good. And that wraps us up for Fremantle. Very much in depth there. A very, very relevant team this year. Um, pretty much, I think if you put sort of, you know, your North Melbournes and your Adelaides together, you will might end up with the same amount of content we had for one team. So thank you very much, Swizz. Uh, always happy to have you. And uh, we'll get on to the G-Long podcast um, shortly. Thanks, always guys. Always a pleasure, Ben. Thanks, Swizzy. Bye. <laughs>
The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. 